0: Hey, what's up, everyone out there? Thank you so much for listening to another Addicted Fishing podcast. You guys have really been liking these things. I've been seeing tons of comments like, "Please make more podcasts, more podcasts, please." So we've been uh, we've been putting out a few. We put one out last week. We're going to record this one and hopefully get them out a little bit more consistent. But tonight, we actually have a special guest with us in this podcast. He's calling in all the way from where are you at, Mister? Introduce
1: yourself. Zilla, uh, Washington. Where Zilla? zilla what the hell yeah zilla? Popular. it's uh it's just you come through like overstated fast man or city of topnish i'm about five miles on the other side of Toppenish. ah okay
2: okay okay well now y'all know where zilla is yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's funny i wonder how many cities in the state in the state of washington we have no clue about probably a lot
1: <laughs> there's tiny ones everywhere
0: bro they're yeah. they're everywhere yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, guys, so we got Mr. Jared here from Yakima Bait Companies. You guys know we're partnered with Yakima now, and hopefully you're going to be partnered with them well into the future. And so we brought him on to another podcast because I didn't, uh, I couldn't think of anyone else better to talk about some trout that's fishing, right. considering, yeah. considering this guy makes, uh, <clears throat> makes some of the best trout lures I think ever created, or at least one of the most popular ones.
1: For sure, man, for sure. Richard Tail's been around for a while. I uh, I think everybody has a Rooster Tail story, that's for sure. I.
0: Have you, do you remember your first fish you caught on a rooster tail? Because I remember mine
2: like I really do. Dude, I, I really do,
1: bro. Yep.
2: What do you got, Cam? Would you remember your first rooster tail fish? Battleground Lake, rainbow trout pattern, gold spinner, sitting with my dad in a raft. on the, oh, Remember when they used to have the actual opening day weekends yep. at Battleground Lake and they yep. weren't, it wasn't year-round fishing? Yep, yep. That thing just, if the brown trout pattern one with the gold blade, just murdered and if yeah, we, <laughs> we, learned, we, bro. we and this is back when I was like eight or nine, oh, yeah. but that, that oh, yeah. definitely was the one I
0: actually, yeah. my first fish on a rooster tail was a bass. So I was trout, I was mm-hmm. trout fishing in, I, I was actually in Lackamas Lake and they had just planted a bunch of trout in there. And so I was, I was casting. I think it was a black and gold rooster tail. And I was casting it, and it just gets hammered. And I'm like, oh, I remember, like, yelling for my friend, like, I got a a giant trout on. And we get the thing in, and it's like a a three-and-a-half-pound bass to just (laughs) munch that rooster tail. Smashed it. That was the first fish I ever caught on those. And then I remember thinking, oh, dude, we're going to smash the bass on these things. So we started fishing a lot of rooster tails for bass around there and catching quite a few on them. So I was pretty surprised by that.
1: The rooster kale is still my number one bachelor on the Columbia bro. Yellow coach dog is money. But uh, my first rooster kale fish, I was actually, I was like five years old. We used to go to Packwood and stay with my cousins every year. Um, and my aunt and then lived up there. And uh, we'd ride our bikes all the way to the Upper Calais River up by O'Hanpacosh, which is like six miles when you're like five or six years old, dude. And my cousin's like, we've got to stop at the sports, Hut, is what it was called then. And, uh, and my dad gave me a couple bucks, and uh, I bought two. Uh, white coach dog, Research hills my cousin said, that's the one. And we went and we mopped up on trout on the uh, Kalis River way back when. That was, God, that was in the 80s, bro. So
0: That's cool. That's a cool story.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. I mean, six-year-old kids ride their bikes, you know, like five or six miles to go fish by themselves while the parents just hang out at the house. You know, it's, not, it's unheard of now, but yeah, it was pretty cool. That is really
0: cool. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about just, you know, fall and winter trout fishing and maybe try to get some of your opinions on it, talk about some of the things that we think you need to do here in the fall and winter to get on these fish. I mean, we're really kind of almost out of the fall now that we're into November and going into the wintertime, and these trout tend to do a lot of different things in the wintertime versus what they're doing in the, the summer and fall months. So we thought we'd talk about some of that stuff today. So what do you like to do the most when you're out targeting winter trout? Like, What's your favorite method to go out there and really go after them?
1: Mine, I mean, it really depends, I guess, whether I'm fishing the river or the lake. Um, yeah, so let's but, say man, let's let's
0: just start with, let's just say a lake, because I
2: think most guys are going to, okay.
0: most generally guys are going to be fishing them in lakes around here.
2: And right, like and guys, with Washington Department, too, they're starting to do their, all their Black Friday stockings, and so yes. when the, this podcast comes yeah. out, it's definitely time to partay on the lakes, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there, you know, there's tons of different useful techniques. My favorite from a boat is still pulling plugs, bro, like. Pulling, uh, you know, small, like, F3 to F7 flatfish or, like, you know, a 2025 mag lift, That's still the funnest, bro, because I don't care how old you are or what fish you're fishing for. Put a Rod Berry from a plug takedown. It's the exact same excitement as <laughs> if it's a 30-pound Chinook, right? Oh, dude, so, it, is, it is. And actually, yeah. we
0: just put a video on our Instagram. So it's funny that you say that because I had – I had a – I think I had a, bl- a Blue Pirate. Maglip 2.5 out, and because I was fishing a lake that you had, you could do a two-rod endorsement. So I had a blue pirate, little tiny maglip. Is I think it's your 2.5, isn't it your smallest one, the t- the
1: 2.5?
0: Uh, 2.0. 2.0. So I had the smallest one that you make, basically blue pirate. And then on the other side, I had a Brad's uh, one of their little wigglers in orange. So two completely different colors, two completely different plugs. But if you watch that Instagram video, dude, I just get a savage takedown. Like it just like buries the rod and just starts ripping line off. And especially on these ultralight rods that you're using, it's just, it is fun. I don't care what anyone says. It's fun.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, and you know, from the bank, it'd be like a rooster tail or, you know, we use a lot of, uh, Uh, corking a power bait, bro, is a really good thing to do, man. Um, it's pretty simple. I just, I can't, after all the fishing that we do now and it's so high maintenance, I'm like geared different at this point other than sitting and waiting for bite unless I'm fishing for (laughs) surgeons. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're right. But talk a little bit more about, cause there is a lot of guys that do fish, you know, like I like to fish the power eggs or the power bait, but I think one underutilized method is actually adding that corky to your setup Mm because one thing that could help huge with that for one, it makes your stuff float better for two. We all know how easily power bait comes off of your hook. So if those trout sit there and bite, 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 and then for some reason they get all that power bait off of there, well guess what? They still have something bright orange or bright pink or bright yellow. That's sitting there with that power bait scent on there that they want to eat.
1: Yeah, man. It's it's, it's, it's the same method you would use standard with power bait. What I tell everybody is, you know, the corky is, it gets you up above, that bottom moss or that bottom layer because you know i mean we all know those fish can only see up and so you know it's really simple a size 12 corky size 12 treble size 14 corky size 14 treble and that will float that up with that small amount of power bait on it um you know to whatever your desired uh depth off the bottom is what i tell people to do is when you walk up to the bank you know you're looking at your leader most of us already rigged but if you see 30 inches of grass right like you're gonna need 36 inches of leader to get it above the grass right to float it up and so that's the biggest point i think you know for a lot of people they don't understand is that leader length with the corky and the power bait because that buoyancy is going to lift it but you know if you throw out and say you know you're fishing 22 inches of grass you don't really know it and you got 24 inch leader you could still catch fish but the power bait doesn't have enough buoyancy to really break up through that grass and adding that corky on there it will actually help push it up through that grass a lot of times and so you do put it where cruising fish can find it it is an extra visible you know um, extra vision vision point for those fish to key in on um, and I mean everybody's got a ton of corkis bro and oh, if yeah. not they're cheap. they're cheap right like you can buy you know generally three, four, five for a dollar depending on where you're at And so yeah. it's something real simple you can add to your arsenal um, that, that just makes you more effective out there trout fishing and the biggest thing I can stress which you guys know is if you're trout fishing with bait right you know flip sinker, swivel, leader hook or, or corky and then your hook and your bait right and don't reel your line down tight, <laughs> you know, leave a little slack in that thing so that they can pull that stuff through. Um, and it's pretty much game on. Just let them eat it. And that corky, I found the corky too. I found that they eat the bait a lot better because once they get that corky in their mouth, it kind of holds that power bait and that hook back in there and gives them more of a chance to, um, you know, get hooked other than just chewing the power bait off the hook. Right.
2: Yeah. It's like the biggest correlation I had to tell a guy sturgeon fishing. I go, it's always safer to use a little more lead, than you think just to make sure you're on the bottom, but when mm-hmm. it comes to power bait fishing, I say I think most the biggest error like people you know if they're standing or sitting right next to somebody on the bank, and one guy's getting them and the other guy's not, and they're both using power bait. I you can probably bet nine out of ten times it's because they're just no they're using a hook that's a little too big, or using a little bit of line that's a little too heavy, and they're not getting that flotation out of that power bait. And that corky just just completely fixes that error.
0: We should probably talk to Mustad about creating a. Power bait trouble, specifically me Yeah, that'd be a good idea.
2: Well, then we oh. gotta sit there and freaking go trout fishing for the next six months and test the living crap out of it. That's, right. against That's what's right. out there. Well, I guess we got a mission now, boys. <laughs> right. Here we go. Hey, Power bait. That'd be a good contest
1: for some viewers, man, to get write some reviews back or whatever and have mm-hmm. them test.
2: Well, yeah. we've done it with bead hooks. Why not?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not, man? I mean, why not? But you know, you're tried and true methods there, you know for sure. I mean, I know, um, you know, Buzz. Uh, whenever he goes and fishes rolling lake, which he does every opener for every year, right? And uh, before we had the smaller maglips, his, his favorite thing to do was either F5, or F6 blackfish, right? And he would take either the metallic silver or metallic gold ones. And every one of them, he would take, you know, generally take a red marker and he put two eyes on the tail of each one of those, right? Remember the old, old quick fish? open oh, yeah. well, You know, they had the eyes on them, right? And everybody just thought that was just for look. I, you know, the old red, I, I don't think it's just for look. because We all know dots catch fish and eyeballs are dots. So it could be a little trick of the trade. that might help people out too.
0: No, you're right. That's a really, that's a really good idea. So one thing I find a lot when the water starts getting colder and, and the reason I like to fish more towards the bottom. And even if I am fishing plugs, a lot of times I'll use some weight to try to get them down there is these fish tend to go deeper for sure. Mm-hmm. Once this water gets colder, a lot of these fish go deep. Even when these fish get freshly stocked in some of these lakes, we have found that like within a day or less, these fish find like the deepest part of the lake and that's where they chill.
1: Yeah, man, a lot of reasons for that, right? They don't got eyelids, (laughs) so they don't like that on them, and uh, you know they're nervous. A lot of them are planted, so they're just out of the hatchery, and you know predators overhead for sure. And they're just more lethargic. And I think they find those places just like winter steelhead do, bro. You know, if you fish a winter steelhead like you fish a summer steelhead, you're probably not going to catch very many. And so, you know, same with the trout, man. You kind of got to change your method up a little bit, right? Like, you know, I mean, I fish with Herzog on 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 a few rivers for trout, cast and rooster tails, man. He's fishing a 16-ounce rooster tail and a giant split shot. And we're fishing, you know, 12, 15-foot pockets for these winter trout. And they're holding on the seams to where in the summertime, you catch them in different water. But this is where we're getting them. And, uh, yeah. and we, last year we went, and in uh, that one day we got over 40 trout, and we had 10 over 20 inches. These are wild trout in the river, right? But without that split shot on there, that 16-ounce rooster tail is not effective that time of year because I'm not getting it down to death. So it was really interesting to learn, especially from Bill, right? I mean, he's like a, you know, spinner, spoon wizard. So uh, it was really interesting to hear his take on that and then watch it in person. <laughs> we pull up the hole and he's like, yeah, you're going to catch Leroy. Leroy's right there behind that rock. Throw that rooster tail out, count to five, and start cranking. He goes, Leroy will bite. And sure enough, bro, there be a 20-inch trout in every corner. I'm like, wow, you spend a lot of time up here. But, um you know, you know, that knowledge is, you got Leroy, Frank, bro. So funny. I talked to Lucas Homer not too long ago and he fished with, with his dog. And he's like, he's like, yeah, bro. I caught Leroy. I said, well, I've caught Leroy. I said, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, the
2: rooster tail still tricks him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still, dude. Pretty, 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 pretty. funny. So, yeah. But the winter trout thing's a lot of fun, man. And, um, I enjoy doing it. You know, I like fishing the colder water trout better. I would do it more often, you know, if I wasn't, like, you guys, so busy. But uh, it's fun. It's a great way to get out and, you know, just kind of chill and low-pressure fishing, especially after, you know, the salmon seasons go. You know, like this year, our salmon season was phenomenal and very long. So, you know, trout fishing kind of relaxing, kind of chill, kind of a good wind down before, you know, the ramp up for winter steelhead, so to speak. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how, the same way we see it. We like to do a lot of that. One thing I love to do this time of year is chase all the coastal cutthroat that are coming into all the creeks and rivers around here. We get, you know, in the the northwest out here, we get a nice run of just coastal run, sea run, trout, that come back to all these rivers and creeks and feed on salmon eggs and get ready to spawn. Mm. And it can be really fun this time of year. A lot of little bobber downs and stuff action in some of these
2: creeks. Last couple of years too, they've come back real strong. Yeah. Like they've they've awesome. been performing really well. So uh it's not been a bad thing. And And there's well, some rivers around here that actually stock
0: hatchery ones of those that you can go fish for wow. and keep.
2: Harvest trout. Yeah.
0: yeah. And they're those, yeah, those are are good. good fish, man. Good to eat, dude. So oh, good I bet, bro.
2: Yeah, I bet. wow I think right now, now like is the time to fish trout.
0: for them. Super good. Yeah, I think
2: right now is the time to go fish for them. Generally, like right yeah. now, they're all spawning or getting close to the uh, creek that is blue on the old cow teats. Yeah. So there's some areas that I mean, last year they were putting it out in the paper in October and November, like, "Hey, come catch all these cutties! They're performing really good, there's and they're hatchery of them. fish. And we got a thousand million of them." What's your favorite color combination uh, for maybe some river, some coastal cutthroat, Jared?
1: Dude, rivers man for me it's always been the same everywhere I've ever been is either white yellow black or brown
2: <laughs> Okay. buggy buggy yeah uh,
1: natural that that's it dude I mean I've tried all the reef stuff. i've caught fish on all of them right but mm-hmm. in, in in pretty much any river system man white yellow black or brown dude I, I i catch fish on all of them I mean if I'm just going my like, constant and there's a lot of variations in between you know like a white coast dog or a black chartreuse or you know, um, you know, grasshopper frog, you know, all these different ones that have different variations of those colors. But I found those basic colors and I generally, what I'll, a lot of what I'll do is when I look at the weather, right. And I look at the water, if, if it's over bro, I fish brass. I try to fish brass blades. If it's really sunny and really clear water, I try to fish stuff with nickel blades. So, um, that's really how I really dictate how I'm going to fish. Is, is that right there. And I take, you know, I'll take a 16th ounce all the way up to, you know, quarter, even three, eight ounces, you know, to these different fisheries. Cause you never know when you get there, the water is going to be high or if it's going to be lower and clearer than you thought or whatever. And so you kind of have a, a tool in your toolbox for every situation for, for, for the, trout type thing, you know? So What's there's your, a lot of sizes. Fisheries.
0: What about sizes? What's your favorite kind of sizes and stuff to throw in the rivers and then talk about maybe lakes too?
1: Um, so in rivers, man, again, it depends on, you know, what river I'm fishing, but anything from our one sixteenth to our one quarter is pretty much my range. I hang in throughout, um, you know, and, uh, and the reason being, you know, for lakes or rivers is because, you know, pretty much the same thing. How, how deep do I want to fish? And like I said, the profile when I was fishing with a dog, that 16th ounce was the profile that they wanted, but they wanted it deeper. So we just added a split shot three feet above it to where if I'm fishing lakes early in the mornings, I'm going to fish um you know before sun really hits the water whatever i'm going to fish those 206s and those 208s and try to target that top you know five to seven feet of that water column for at least the first couple of hours and then like you said you know they go down deep and they hang there for quite a while so if i need to target that deeper water i'm gonna have to do two things i'm gonna have to add a weight to one of those or i'm gonna have to go up size, like a quarter ounce you know um, or a six ounce rooster tail to get that depth um or you may have to cast a further distance, right? And it's, everybody knows it's hard to cast when you have like a split shot and a lure. It's really hard to cast that type of stuff, but a bigger rooster tail, like that quarter ounce, I mean, you can rocket fire those things a long way. So it helps you, you know, for distance as well. So, but the two Oh six or two twelve, which is our 16th, um, one eighth, one six and one quarter are our top sellers across the country. And they're the top sellers for a reason, because they pretty much can fit almost any profile, um, you know for any situation
2: so on topic but off topic a little bit what is the do you find anybody having a lot of success with kokanee and rooster tails like not not in stream you know staging to breed but uh like you know just out in the lakes like trolling around
1: you know some not a lot i mean and um with the rooster tail itself you know not a lot for kokanee and I can't figure out the profile, even though it's 16th ounce, it's pretty big compared to a lot of the cocaine gear we fish. But the blades, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of guys use the blades for different things. Like we make coconut trolls and different things and they mm-hmm. love the blade, right? Like, you know, I mean, Herzog used to buy them and cut the blades off and make his rascal lures with the rooster tail blade. Um, but the blade is special. It is different. It's custom just for us. It is genuine silver. So it does reflect light a lot differently than a lot of other smaller blades. So super effective on that front for coconut. But, you know, I mean, it, it's hard because a lot of times we like those, that dodger, that little bit of action, those flashers. And, um, you know, with the co- with the rooster tail being weighted, it just doesn't move like it like we would want it to. Yeah. And, and Coconut like are just
2: weird little freaking creatures. They're so weird. Let's dudes. just be honest. They're so
1: finicky. They are. so, finicky. <laughs> they are They're so finicky. finicky. Gotcha. So, but I mean, Spinaglow, obviously, you know, that thing's money for Coconut. I mean, I've seen you fish them a ton for oh, yeah, that's, and so that's, many that's, other people, that's the, you know.
2: Definitely go to for sure but now everybody does and so I got to find something different That's so I figured I'd ask you about the rooster tail <laughs> a little bit
1: yeah yeah no, know I mean when I we saw. got stuff in the can you know down the road for um, for more coking gear but you know I mean at this point in time we're trying to catch up on all our extended orders right now and so I haven't brought anything new to the table which I got a ton but I haven't brought anything new to, to bring out in the any fishery yeah we should take that I off get caught up.
2: we should definitely take that offline for sure but you definitely need to let me know <laughs> <laughs> what you got coming down the pipe. But like I said, it's gonna be hard to beat like I said, it's gonna be hard to beat a spin and
1: glow though. Yeah, well man, I got some stuff coming down the line that's gonna be like, well, we might have to have a spin and glow and new lure contest one day just kind of <laughs> see bro which one's gonna which one's gonna go because uh these new ones I've had R and d for a couple of years, bro, and I'm telling you I've never seen anything like it. So
2: Mm, something down the pipe for the season. That'll be cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. It. As soon as we get caught up, bro, I got some new stuff that's gonna come out. That's um you know, we haven't seen it, um, and I had some help from some really cool uh, pro staff guys. And, um, you know, they they came up with something that's definitely unique in that coconut world, bro. That's going to be something that's going to be hot, and it's really, really, really fishy, really durable, really long lasting, really, really, really cool. So, I'm pretty pumped about it. And, uh, it's so hard in my position right now because I've got all this cool stuff to talk about, and I've got to be like, eh. so. Well, we're always trying
2: to build a better mousetrap, right? So, like, that's, that's, you know, everything evolves. So that's really cool to hear you guys are still on the front of that.
1: Oh, yeah, bro. Non, non-stop. I mean, well, it's just like, you know, your guys' slogan, you know, educate, retain, inspire. I mean, it's the same thing we all try to do, right? You know, we're going to try to educate people on a new way to do things and also inspire them to create their own, you know, come up with your own stuff and your own style and, you know, um, you know, and that's, you know, it's like the spinner thing, you know. I mean, you know, pro pretty much, you know, kind of, started doing that a lot and uh you know that kind of started going through the whole system and now look at the spinner thing i mean who would have thought that after you know a fish flash and a herring and then after a uh, super bait and then after a super cut plug and then after the spinner thing and then a spin fish thing right and all these other things i mean who would have thought that the game would change that much that fast
2: yeah 10 years um, 10, 10 years ago if you'd have told me we'd be trolling salmon without uh, triangles and and bait <laughs> you know we just you'd have you have laughed off the dock here we are
1: yeah that's, really yeah. cool. yeah, that's the same as the trout thing, the cocaine thing, you know, I mean, there's, it, yes, you can go, I, I can go pretty much anywhere and catch trout with a rooster pillow maglet, probably no problem, um, you know, but you know, there's, there's, there's just more fun stuff out there to figure out, dude. And that's, uh, that's the coolest part about, you know, doing that. And, you know, like we're talking about the trout thing, there's so many cool destination fisheries, you know, like the Rufus woods thing. Um, that's ridiculous, right? Um, you know, and so I've never done that. I want thing. to. Oh, bro, that's super fun. Super fun. I mean, you know, it's a super fun deal and um, super easy, super mellow. And the Pyramid Lake Fishery, bro, that one is ridiculous. Yeah, I right? I know that. you guys don't use river names, but lake names, I'm sorry about that. But, um, no, those, that, that Pyramid place, lake thing, we've
0: been talking about doing that for freaking years. Yeah, we're doing that.
1: Bro, That my buddy is dialed in there. He's lived there his whole life at his home lake. And we were down there last year, and guys are catching, you know, five to 10 a day, and we were catching 60 to 80 a day. And, all we do—we're trolling plugs, we're trolling, you know, maglet, spin fish, flatfish. But the second day we went out with this whole game on twitching, right? And this is another thing I want to bring up for trout too: is we twitched and we caught over fifty, we got one of those nineteen pounds. Dude. And nobody twitches really at Pyramid Lake. And so you know, I—I'm thinking, man, this trout twitching thing, right? And so Herzog, man, he is a trout twitching fool, right? And it is absolutely ridiculously money effective. And so you can simply just take like. Your steelhead, your steelhead jigs in those, you know, one one eighth, one quarter, 3-8, whatever, and hit these rivers, and, you know, the darker colors, your olives, your blacks, your browns, um, you know, in twitching jig cases, you probably like your chartreuse or whatever, but there's jigs out there that fit those and make them look like a stolen crawdad, anything that resembles that, bro, and twitching for trout is so fun. Yeah. So fun. Lake or river, so fun.
0: It's interesting that you say that, because I've been working on something for a long time with those. Me and Jordan have. We've been, we've been, Ah, we've been doing some stuff there, so. We should share prototypes. Twitching for (laughs) trout is definitely something that works. And I know like, you know, you go, if you go, you go east to the east side of the United States, like Pennsylvania, you know, all those big trout states over there, New York, Pennsylvania, a lot of those eastern guys, they've been doing it for years.
1: years, Yeah, they've been doing it for years, bro. I mean, you're nymphing, right? I mean you know, you're nymphing. But that's really what it is. It's just it's a different kind of, you know, almost nymphing way. And, um, but the twitching thing, man, it's such a huge technique that is fun, right? You know, Buzz always says, if you can perpetuate technique, and can perpetuate the life of a product. And he's 100% right, because how much fun is twitching for coho? That will never go away, ever. You know, we'll twitch for coho forever at this point in time. And twitching for trout, just as fun because it's just like that plug takedown, right it you know when that plug goes down it's still fun you i will say trout- i will say
0: the more and more we've tested it, it there's definitely certain scenarios you have to be in to get it to work because like they we've tried it pretty hard on like you know hatchery stalker trout and you'll catch a couple but you will not yeah. catch near as many as the dude next to you that's freaking fishing power bait or you know, even casting a rooster tail. Like, well,
2: right. Well, I mean, the wild trout were spending their lives chasing stuff. That's what and I mean. Bite. Yeah, I it, mean, it, it definitely, definitely works.
0: Definitely I'm not saying it doesn't work in those scenarios. It's just not going to be my preferred method. That's for sure. As we've tested it and tried it over the last couple of years.
1: So what I've found when it's most effective is when the bugs stop hatching, right? Like there's no more hatches. Like right now or early in the spring before they hatch and they don't have really any other source of food. And their only sorts of food are like helgrammites, um, sculpins, um, you know, uh, crawdads, all that type of stuff, right? That's when it's super effective because that's when they're feeding on all those things hopping across the bottom. They're not, they're not really – there's nothing else for them to eat. And so that's when I've found it is a most effective in rivers and lakes is when there's no hatch.
0: That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. What time is it here, Clint? Six seventeen? How long have we been going for? How long have we been out how long have you addicts out there been listening to
1: us up to this point?
2: Yeah, let us know please.
1: <laughs> let us know how long it is. Well, I probably talked at least nineteen minutes without one breath, so
2: Twenty-three minutes. Twenty-three minutes. I think we should. I think that's pretty game. I say. I'm like. You left a lot. There's a lot on the table there that you just put up there, Jared. Talking talking twitching for trout. You know the colors. You know blade colors for overcast days. You know this is definitely. There's definitely been some good, some quirky conversation with the power bait. You. There's a lot to digest on this podcast. Good,
0: good podcast for all you addicts out there. We appreciate you guys listening to us on these podcasts, and I appreciate the feedback of just. Telling us that you want more and more of these things. And so we're going to try to do it. We're going to try to ramp it up. We're going to try to record more of these podcasts for you and hopefully bring them into a video format as well. We do record every single one of these and we've been kind of stockpiling it and not really knowing what we want to do with the video on the podcast. But we're going to try to bring more of that to you guys out there for sure. So, Jared, I appreciate you tuning in too. we got a live feed to go talk talk some more trout
1: yeah man uh, I'm excited to do that. That's gonna be a lot of fun too. And um, if anybody has any questions, Yakima bait wise man they can message me on my social media type stuff or whatever. I'm always happy to try to help out and answer any questions. So yeah if someone
0: um, if someone out there listening to the podcast does want to get a hold of Yakima bait, how do they do it or you?
1: Well I mean me, I'm on Jer- Jared um on, a, on uh, Facebook and you know social media Jared Higginbotham YBC. And if not, Yakima Bait has a, a has a um, website. We have some friends at that Reddit, that, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. And if they have a question for me, man, they'll send them right to me. And I have no problem doing that. I mean, you guys know this job is um, not really a job; it's just consistent, right? Like, and so you get those messages at all hours of the day, and I'm happy to answer them because I just I love helping people catch fish, man. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Well,
0: thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate every single one of you. And until next time, we'll see you on the river.
2: Later, guys.